The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Hey everybody, happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. So glad to have you with me today. And it's a special history nerd edition of the program today. Coming up, a discussion with author Paul Vachon. He's got a new book, and it's a uh, it's really fantastic coffee table style book called Detroit, an illustrated timeline. Paul has written four other books about Detroit history and has been a guest on my former public radio program in the past and uh, excited to have him with us today. Paul Vachon, welcome to the Craig Folly Show. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Well, thank you so much for having me, Craig. Yeah, it has been a while, but I uh, always enjoy speaking with you. Clearly, you have an absolute love for this city and the history of this city. What's at the root of that? Well, I was born here. I've grown up here, lived here all my life. And I just have a connectedness to this place that, I mean, I've traveled other places. I, I've never lived anyplace else. But uh, and if I were to move somewhere, maybe I'd feel that same kind of connectedness with that place. But since I, you know, I just turned 60. And since I've been here as long as I have, I just, it's like, it's, it's like it's part of me. I, I just, it's hard to describe, but it's, that's just the way I feel. Well, you know, you've you've spent a lot of time in the past to taking a look at, uh, at at parts of Detroit that are no longer with us. You know, uh, Forgotten Detroit is a is a wonderful book that you and I have talked about before. Um, you've also written Legendary Locals of Detroit, which was a great story, and uh, Lo- Lost Restaurants of Detroit. Now, this one is more of a timeline. Uh, it's got some amazing photos and illustrations in here. Why why a timeline? Why decided to just sort of go through it line by line? Uh, you know, year by year. Well, um, it was about two years ago that this publisher, uh, Reedy Press, they're in Saint, based in St. Louis, they approached me with the idea for this book. Um, they had commissioned another author to do a book like on the same format as this about St. Louis, and apparently it was quite successful, and they have been starting to make some inroads into Michigan and the Detroit area with a few other shorter titles, but uh, they wanted to do a book like that on Detroit, so it was the the format of the book was their concept to begin with, uh, but I liked the idea, and I, you know, so while it was their idea, it's something I, I strongly agree with. The reason I like a timeline is because you can see events in the order in which they occurred, and you can also, by doing so, envision how an event happening in X year affected another event 10 years down the road, whereas if the first thing hadn't happened, the second thing may not have happened either or happened differently. So how, seeing how history unfolds is, is really the beauty of a timeline. My guest once again is Paul Vachon. He is the author of Detroit, an illustrated timeline. There's a book signing taking place tonight at Page's Bookshop. That's at 19560 Grand River in the city of Detroit. The event begins at 6 o'clock. Paul will be speaking, and you'll get a chance to have him sign your book as well. Uh, Paul, let, let's talk again about this format. It, it really is a beautiful coffee table book here. Uh, and, and I'm wondering, is, is it more difficult to sort of do this in a, in a linear fashion like this, or is it maybe even easier to tell the city story when you are sort of doing it year by year? Actually, I found it quite easier. Um, I, I like the the way um, a, a, chrono, a chronology, a linear chronology 
the roadmap that it, it offers not only the reader, but also the author too, when they're putting it together as to, you know, what happens when, and then, you know, something else happens a year or two later and, and so on and so on. It, it really is quite, it's instructive in the way that you can't like say, for example, uh, if you're talking about, um, and this is not a Detroit uh, issue, but an um, uh, issue of American history, let's say if you're talking about the uh, Louisiana Purchase, for example, okay, well, it happened uh, after um, uh, the United States conquered um, the, um, or excuse me, they bought it, they bought the Louisiana Territory from France after the after the Spanish uh, ceded it to France. Well. If you didn't know that, and if you're talking about, like, say, pre-1800 when Spain still had it, well, you, you couldn't talk about the Louisiana Purchase then because it, Spain still had it. So you have to see things as they unfold. And and if that's a roundabout way of explaining it, I apologize. <laughs> no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Well, I, I love the fact that you actually include a section at the very beginning about Detroit before a European settlement happened here, taking a look at, at which people were already in the area. And it wasn't exactly heavily populated back then, but it was clearly a pass-through for a number of different tribes uh, and, and traders and missionaries that were coming through the area before the city was founded, before Cadillac set up the fort. Uh, and, and that seems like an important bit of information to include here, but I'm wondering how much information we really have about exactly what was going on in this region uh, before 1701. There's not a great deal. Um, there are some uh, secondary sources that we have today that are relied pretty much on some oral traditions on some some written uh, records that were uh, that were uh, garnered you know oral traditions from Native Americans and so forth but there wasn't a whole lot of there wasn't a whole lot written down uh, really by anybody that was involved in the area prior to uh, prior to 1701 uh, there's just not a great deal there and uh, uh, some of the Native American movements are known and you can determine those by the location of the pathways that they they took and and that sort of thing which later became the foundations for modern roads like say um, Grand River and Woodward and so forth but there's not there's just not a whole lot of uh, the further back you go, of course, the the murkier it is, of course. But, you know, I, I wonder if, if, you know, there's a point where the research obviously gets a lot easier because newspapers uh, come to the fore and, and you've right. got those sort of resources on microfiche and things like that, where you can go back and look at the coverage. At what point in, in the city's history did the written uh, history really start to emerge? I would say. Probably in the mid nineteenth century. I mean, you have written sources before that, certainly. Uh, well, I'll take it back a little further. Right around the time maybe Michigan became a state. Um, now, of course, there are written histories prior to that, but that's the first time that you have an abundance, I would say, of a lot of primary sources you can go to, like contemporaneous newspapers and, and things like that. Um, and it's it's easiest after that point, um, which is like we're talking like 1837, roughly. Yeah. So so, you know, starting about 1837, you start getting, you know, obviously much more detailed uh, information about what was happening at the time, what the uh, big political issues were at the time. And once you start combing through that, obviously, you've got to make decisions on what you're going to include and not include in the book. Uh, is there a particular time period that you enjoyed learning about more uh, than others when it comes to the city's history? Um, the part that compels me the most 
is the post-World War II era, starting, of course, in the end from 1945 at the end of the war until uh, the 1970s. And while Detroit's earlier history has uh, a lot of dynamics in it relative to racial relations, those forces came to a greater level of conflict and really came to a head in the years following World War II. Uh, it is, unfortunately, a, a very sad history in many respects, too. It's a history of, uh, of just a, a brutal degree of racism that ultimately culminated in the 1967 insurrection. And then there were efforts to heal that afterwards, but <clears throat> they, weren't, they were not overly successful. And in 1974, the U.S. Supreme Court handed down the uh, Milliken versus Bradley decision, which outlawed um, the use of, of uh, suburban school districts to, uh, to enable the integration of Detroit schools. And that only exacerbated the uh, level of segregation that exists in the area, even today. And um, so it, while it's a sad part of history, it's also fascinating because I, I like to see the, all the dynamics that went into it and, and ultimately what we have learned from it. We haven't totally learned the lessons of it, but we have learned a great deal from that, that era. Paul Vachon, my guest right now, again, the author of Detroit, an illustrated timeline, which was just published uh, about a week ago, as a matter of fact. And he will be doing a book signing tonight at Page's Bookshop, which is at 19560 Grand River in the city of Detroit, West Side, of course. And of course, uh, that is a free event. It starts at six o'clock. There will be books for sale there. He will be speaking and uh, you'll get an opportunity for him to sign this book. And anybody that is a fan of the city of Detroit is going to get something out of this. I mean, Paul, the, the layout of this is absolutely beautiful. I like I said, I mentioned it's a really great coffee table format, yeah. um, you know, and as somebody who's a writer, you know, when it comes to the actual design and layout of the book and that sort of stuff, is that something that's foreign to you or is it a fun part of the process? Well, the layout was mostly done <clears throat> by the publisher. Um, I had to write the book and then also uh, procure the images. Many of the images that are modern in nature, I took myself mm -hmm. uh, the actual layout, they they did that. Uh, I'm very pleased with the way they did it. Uh, I had seen the St. Louis book of this format that they had done previously, and they sent me a copy, and I looked at it, and uh, generally I liked it. There were a few things I didn't like, and I made some suggestions, which they generally adhered to. Um, the cover design was kind of a meeting of the minds, both theirs and mine. Uh, but the interior of the book was largely um, the, uh, their creation, and it's, um, it's something that I'm, I'm very pleased with. The, the, the dynamic use of color, I think, is something that I'm absolutely thrilled with, and I'm sure the readers will be too. Uh, well, you know, I certainly was when I got my copy uh, the other day, and thank you for that, by the way. It was nice to be able to preview it before this discussion. Uh, but, you know, I learned a ton of things uh, about the city as I was going through it, and I've been here for a long time as well. And, you know, you think you know – a lot about it. But, you know, that period between, say, you know, the Civil War and uh, and really World War One is is a period that we don't know a ton about. I mean, the city went through a lot of problems at that time. You think about, uh, you know, everybody loves to, to hear about Hazen Pingree, um, but he's about really the only person from that era that most people talk about. There were a lot of folks that were doing really interesting stuff in this community at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, why do you think that part of our history is something that has sort of been, uh, I don't want to say, yeah, maybe, maybe dormant is the word. Um, well, that is, 
One of the reasons, I think, is because when most uh, Detroiters today uh, think of early Detroit history, and I use the word early very loosely there, I'm not talking about, you know, 1701 era. Sure. The area you're talking about, you're referring to now, is is the time that that just immediately preceded that. When that era is talked about mostly, it's usually talked about in reference to how it gave birth to the to the auto industry a few years down the road. When you had Detroit as the center of uh, industry uh, in the form of stove making and railroad cars and things like that, and that provided the industrial underpinnings for the uh, for the auto industry. But the social side of history, then, like Hazen Pingree, for example, and, uh, you know, what he did to uh, try to uh, uh, bust the, the influence of large banks and corporations and things like that, that doesn't capture a lot of imagination and attention. I'm nearly not quite sure as to why. The only thing I can think of is those other things I mentioned are just so dominant that they seem to um, um, just cast a shadow over everything else. Sure. Well, you know, I, I have to ask this question. What is something you learned during this process that you didn't know about the city that you were particularly excited to discover? Uh, actually, something that I found out during my research, and I do talk about it, uh, is the existence of slavery in Detroit uh, from the founding of the city up until about maybe the mid-1820s. There was um, uh, many of the um, uh, the big names of uh, in Detroit from that era were actually slave owners. Louis Cass, um, uh, William McComb, uh, and uh, those people, were, they were all slave owners. And uh, now it wasn't slavery on the same scale, certainly, that existed in the American South. It was slavery that was, uh, they were usually Native Americans, not African Americans that were there were the slaves, although there were exceptions to that too. But the reality of, of slavery um, was something that uh, I never knew that uh, really existed here, or if I, if I did, it was I was unaware of the, the extent of it and the nature of it and so forth. But it was, it was very much a part of uh, 18th century society in, in early Detroit. You know, at, at what point did that sort of, uh, you know, fade away? And and what do we know what led to that fading away? Obviously, you know, the stores were this, the northern states were known as, as being the home to the abolitionists. Of course, the Republican Party started in Michigan um, and, and they were, of course, uh, staunch abolitionists at that point in time. Is it something that just sort of fell out of favor or was there anything that sort of legislated it out of existence in Michigan? It, well, it wasn't really legislation as it was. Um, custom because in the years right around the time it faded away those were the same years that leaders in Michigan were trying to get Michigan admitted to the Union as a state and Michigan was growing in population after the opening of the Erie Canal and that population growth allowed Michigan to reach the population threshold required by the federal government for admission to the Union and uh, slavery was something that was the federal government uh, frowned upon, at least, you know, officially at that point, although it still existed in the South, and many other northern states did. So it was really something that just fell out of, of favor uh, because of um, uh, because Michigan wanted to be a state. And that was not seen as something that a northern state would have. There was always a political balance in the whole country between slave states and free states. And right around the time 
um, well, after Michigan had abolished slavery in, in an effort to be admitted to the Union, then it was determined that, well, if Michigan's admitted to the Union, then we'll have one more free state than slave state. But then Arkansas was admitted. So that eliminated that problem. Wow. You know, and these are things that you learn with this book uh, and that Detroit was uh, in the the middle of a lot of this stuff. Paul Vachon, my guest right now. Again, the book is Detroit, an illustrated timeline. Again, a book signing and talk with author Paul Vachon taking place tonight at Page's Bookshop at 19560 Grand River. That's on Grand River in the Grand Mont-Rosedale neighborhood over there. Uh, It is at six o'clock tonight is when it begins. I believe it goes till about nine, but he'll be signing and giving a talk. Well, Paul, I mean, I I guess the the last question I want to ask you really is, is what sort of takeaway you hope people come away with with this book uh what do you need them to know about this city that and i I point this out in the conclusion of the book that detroit's history is a series of what i call ups and downs detroit always had periods of great fortune followed by periods of despair and depression if you will and so forth and conflict only to revive later on and right now i i believe that we're we've hit bottom uh and that we're uh, poised for uh, really a rousing comeback and it's been in the process now for several years uh and it's it's become it's gotten to the point now where it's more than just symbolic uh it's very easy or it was very easy for a lot of naysayers to see new investment in the city as just um, a drop in the bucket or what have you and while it's still true that you have 139 square miles much of which is still racked with poverty and blight you have the beginnings of a resurgence that is gradually radiating out from the uh, downtown and midtown areas to areas that you wouldn't expect. I'm not satisfied with the pace of it, certainly, but it is coming. And um, uh, I believe that within my lifetime that um, the city will truly be, truly be a healthy place again. Well, if there's one lesson we can learn from our past as we approach this sort of new threshold of, of uh, you know, revitalization here, what what's that lesson that we need to take heed? The lesson is, is that... Um, everybody loves a comeback and that Detroit has a comeback growing in it right now. And that, uh, uh, it, that what's happening should not be looked as just merely symbolic that we're, that we're ever growing and ever maturing and that, uh, um, uh, a better day is certainly on the horizon. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it right there. We're looking forward to the event tonight. Again, it's at Page's Bookshop, which is in Grand Mount Rosedale, uh, 19560 Grand River Avenue. The book, Detroit, an illustrated timeline. Again, that event starts at 6 o'clock tonight, and uh, take a look at this. It's actually really, really beautiful and well done. Uh, A great addition to my coffee table for sure, and I've been reading it too. That's the great thing about this one. It's not just for pretty pictures. There's a lot of info in there. Paul Vachon, thanks so much for your time. It's always a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for having me, Craig, and I look forward to seeing many of your listeners at my event. All right. Hey, thanks for checking out the Craig Folly Show today on uh, Deadline Detroit. Always glad to have you with me. Don't forget, you can reach out to me any way you would like. Find an email address, thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. That may be the best way to reach me. Or feel free to find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, LinkedIn. I'm there. All those different places. It's easy to reach out. Send me a message about things you'd like me to cover, things you'd like me to talk about, uh, and and we'll do that. I also want to remind you of something else. We're going to be headed up to the Mackinac Policy Conference in just a couple of weeks. I know that education is going to be one of the big platforms up there, but there will be a lot of other things to talk 
about. I'm already booking people uh, to appear, and I'm going to be live streaming a whole lot of the content from the conference there. So look for me on social media, in particular Facebook. I'll be posting all these interviews. I'll still be putting together a podcast every day. Of, of uh, I am planning on live streaming just about every single interview I do up there. You'll get a chance to see how many people we do talk to while we're there. It really is quite remarkable uh, what happens along Media Row, especially for somebody like me who likes to talk to people. So look for that in a couple of weeks. We're looking forward to it and uh, want to make sure that you get the full flavor of that conference, not just the stuff that's on the big agenda, but a lot of the other people that have business to take care of while they're up there. We'll find out what they're up to and the kinds of big projects that are coming to Michigan and Metro Detroit. So looking forward to that, and hopefully you'll be joining me for that as well. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Enjoy this gorgeous weather. It looks like it's going to be with us for a couple of days, but uh, temperatures back in the 60s where they belong this time of year. So get outside for a walk, something like that, if you can at all today. It is worth it. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for checking it out. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Hey there, my name is Seth Ressler. Hi everyone, it's Becky Scarcello. I am new to the Detroit area. And I've been here my whole life. So we started a podcast together. It's called The D. Brief. Detroit's arts and entertainment podcast. We cover concerts, comedy, plays, food, drink, all kinds of stuff. All the cool events around town, things to do, and the people that are doing them. Can we talk about some of the people we've had as guests on this podcast? Hey, this is Mark Kurlianchik, the restaurant critic for the Detroit Free Press. Hi, I'm Ian DeLisi, and I host Essential Music on 1019 WDET. Hi, this is Mark Ridley of Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Hey, this is Kate Williams, executive chef of Lady of the House. Hey, this is Meltdown from WRAF in Detroit. This is Josh Mallerman, author of Bird Box. This is Carmen Harlan, curator of film at the Detroit Institute of Art. President and founder of Valentine Distilling Company. The general manager of innovation experiences for the Henry Ford. Arts and entertainment editor at the Detroit Free Press. The Michigan Science Center. Arts Beats and If you like going out in the city of Detroit, you're going to like this podcast. The Debrief Podcast. We like to say Detroit's moving. Keep up. The Debrief. Your guide to Detroit's art and entertainment scene.